Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Lady Boy Gigi, and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. <laughs> And you're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. And tonight our topic is on the compassionate dominant. When I first started in BDSM as a submissive, it was really hard to find a good dom took good care of me. And I remember some doms would say, you know, a good submissive is precious and you have to take good care of them take care of the merchandise <laughs> and so I kind of bought into that philosophy when I started being a dominant and I like to work with people at a deeper level than just BDSM I like to dig a little deeper and figure out what their passions are where they need to develop and grow what do they need to really get their life in a better place? <laughs> and it took me a while to kind of get some ideas, but I kind of put together a system. And part of it is utilizing a BDSM interest evaluation that's kind of modified and it lets me know where my submissive has fears, what they enjoy, what they don't like, and kind of figure out where 
kind of give me some guideposts in how to dominate another person. And I would like to let Paul talk a little bit about this because he's been really a great set. I've had a few people that I I work with, but no one I've worked with as much as you, Gigi. And most of them were pretty okay and pretty caring. It's it's always been a quality that I I look for in in my dominance and I think for me it really when I feel safe it allows me to go a lot further and it also allows me to tread into uh places that are, are difficult for me, that are, are hard for me. And so much of the work that you and I have done together, I wouldn't be able to, to do it if you weren't so caring and really also very, very aware of me and where I am and where my head is and my past traumas and things that are issues for me and i i think that it's a really powerful bond when it's done correctly and i know that a lot of people aren't as lucky as, as i am i've heard a lot of horror stories from doms that really aren't in it for the right reasons and i think that's one of the really sad things and one of the the hard things about being in the scene is I've seen a lot of people get hurt by dominants that are ego-driven, that pretty much use their subs as a tool to make themselves feel better. And when that respect isn't given back, it can really deeply emotionally damage people and make people not want to do BDSM anymore. And I think it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing it, I'd like to bring up is that I am a sadist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can go hard and go really fulfill all my sadistic uh, urges and desires <laughs> and it's good to be able to do that as a dominant because that's part of what a lot of doms are into not all some are into other types of activities like bondage where there is no sadism involved or just purely into service <laughs> and you have to be kind of clear and set boundaries you have to really explore deeply what you're into BDSM for, both as a sub and as a dominant. If you're dominant, it's good to know where you're going with all this and have some direction. So I wanted to kind of clarify that. It's not that I've given up any of my sadistic urges to (laughs) inflict pain. In fact, I can take submissives deeper into pain than they've ever gone before because I know how to work with them and develop that bond and that trust and let them know that I'm not going to harm them, but I'm going to make them feel very 
Oh, amazing things. I'm going to make them squirm for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I wouldn't have you any other way. I feel that one of the real strengths that you have as a dom is that, you know, especially when uh, you took me under your guidance, you knew that it was going to be a long process. And you took time to, like you said, do the BDSM evaluation and to talk to me and figure out what some of my traumas were and some of the places that I felt I needed to work in my life. You put a lot of emphasis in my growth and helping me find the correct path for me. And after we had established boundaries and you had gotten a good feel for where I wanted to go and some of the issues that you wanted to help me resolve. After we went through all of that legwork, then we were able to start getting into some of the more extreme things and also doing scenes that brushed up against my traumas that you wanted to help me with, and you would communicate with me well before scenes that you thought would be difficult for me, and then we did plenty of aftercare afterwards, and you would check in on me the next day to make sure I hadn't gone through any sub-drop, or if there were any lingering issues, and we worked on our communication, and it was a, a whole long process. But I think that taking the time to take all of the preliminary steps before we really went full throttle and jumped in helped me to feel comfortable and helped me to feel safe and helped me to know that I could talk to you about things that were difficult or that I thought might need to be tweaked here and there. And for me, the whole process was really eye-opening and very, very powerful. And I, th I think that, that was a, a big key was taking those initial steps and then also the aftercare and, and things like that to really build a strong foundation from which to build our workings on. And I think there's another side to it, too. It wasn't all just delving into the intense stuff. It was also giving you assignments to learn more about your body, learn more about your passions and direction in life. And were some of the things you wanted to go as far as finding your passion and your direction in life. And so part of it was just giving you in different types of assignments and having you follow through with them and complete your 
PC muscle exercises each day and do the meditations and writing a journal. It's a whole set of things. It's not just in the scene, so to speak. Yeah, I think that that's one of the really important keys to compassionate dominance is that there is so much more that goes into BDSM than what happens during a scene. And I think that a lot of times, especially people who are very new to doming, they might have gotten the desire to be a dominant at play parties, watching scenes, or through watching porn, or through some of the the media depictions of, you know, what a dominant is like and it's supposed to be like. And I think that that's, that only really scratches the surface of everything that goes into dominance and submission. I, for me, the important parts, like I, I love the scenes. I'm a masochist. I love, you know, all of the great feelings that it brings up and puts me in this world of pleasure and passion that, that I, I love. But the really important moments in our training have happened outside of scenes. They've happened in late night talks. Sometimes they completely come out of nowhere. We start having a conversation about this or that or our past, and it it kind of triggers something that leads to a conversation where I can really open my heart and open my soul and talk to you about things that are really important that matter how the work that we're doing is affecting me. And a lot of times as I'm having those discussions with you, I'm kind of also discovering it as I tell you because it's not something I'm always consciously aware of. And another thing, like you were talking about, the the different assignments that you have me do, they really are, are very important. And I know that in the beginning, a lot I didn't think that it was silly for you to be giving me these assignments, but it made me feel a little silly. It made me, it didn't really resonate but I through going through the process of doing these assignments I became aware of how important they were and uh, how how much difference they were making in my life and then I really opened myself a lot more fully to the training and uh, it's been a heck of a process and I've Parts of it have been difficult and hard, and parts of it have been absolutely wonderful and toe-curlingly erotic, And but it's been so much and so full, and I think that 
especially in the early days, it took a lot of patience on your part to let me get to the point where I trusted you enough and and I was fully open to the training that you gave me. And that's when things really started taking off. And I think that the the amount of patience and compassion that you had to practice really helped me a whole lot. And I wouldn't have gotten nearly what I, I've gotten out of our training if you hadn't taken the time to do all of those things. And one of the things that I think is really important as a dominant, because I've heard this in from other doms and, and in the scene, is this concept of topping from the bottom. <laughs> and what we're talking about isn't really topping from the bottom. It's being aware of your sub and helping nourishing your sub and preparing your sub so you can go even more intense in the next scene. <laughs> Forming those bonds and that connection. And that's one of the things that really I really admired about some of the doms and subs I saw early on was what a strong bond and connection they had. It went deeper. It was kind of mysterious to me at first. But that depth of just compassion and caring and nurturing that I saw in certain doms and their submissives was, to me, something I really wanted to experience myself as a dom. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Me too. When I was early on, before I met you, I had the same experience, and it have mystified me a lot, especially since when I first started getting to know people that were in into BDSM, it still kind of scared me and even squicked me out a little bit. And I think that one of the things that really helped me get over that was seeing what happened afterwards, the aftercare, and uh, the relationship that doms and subs had outside of the scenes that they were doing. I think that that's one of the things that got me comfortable enough to start, start dipping my toes in the water, and then I discovered that I, I was absolutely hooked the second I tried it. It's really powerful when you can see the extreme kind of relationship that does form between doms and subs. It's something that's extremely unique, and there's no other relationship that's really like it. It's one of vulnerability on both sides. It's one of, when it's done right, real deep caring uh, on both sides, and when it's done really right, you know, there's also, I would have, like, when I got into it, I would have thought that there would have been a lot of possessiveness and a lot of controlling behavior. And while control can be a part of some 
uh, relationships in BDSM, most of the time it's not absolute. And when it is absolute, normally a lot of discussion has gone into it and a lot of uh, communication has happened before that. And generally it doesn't start there. And it took me seeing all of these different kinds of bonds between dominance and submissives for me to get comfortable to try it myself. And I think one of the things that's really been empowering, I mean, we talk about people exchanging power when we're in a BDSM scene. And there's times when I've challenged Paul and some of my other subs in the past, and they were uncomfortable. They kind of put up resistance at first. And it's a delicate balance when to notice step back a little bit as a dom and when to really give a gentle push or nudge to get your submissive committed to challenging themselves and really shooting a little bit higher. And growth isn't always a comfortable thing. (laughs) Being able to heal wounds isn't always a comfortable journey. And so sometimes there have to be challenges, and that's part of the art of domination that I love so much is being able to get into my sub-psyche a little bit and poke around a little bit, but with gentleness and compassion. And and I think it's partly setting that intent up front as a dominate mm-hmm. to what, what am I wanting to get out of this? And I think at the heart of me is what I want out of it is to be able to help a submissive grow and develop and be, blossom into the best sub they can be. One of the things that I would like to bring up is, so one day last week, uh, I remember I woke up and you said early on that you were going to give me time to, to wake up and get the juices flowing, but that you wanted to have a conversation with me. And then I made lunch for us, and as we were eating lunch, we started talking, and we talked about some of the things in the past that had been hard for me and where there may have been miscommunication and things like that. And it was an amazing conversation that made me feel a whole lot better and helped me feel a lot closer to you and you know I had been kind of in a funk and it really kind of has turned my my mood around in in a very big way and I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is I think that as long as as a dominant you approach things with a with a pure heart with good intentions it's okay if there are some miscommunications if there are some mistakes i i i don't want any pe- 
anyone listening to this to think that if they make a mistake and there's some hurt feelings or there's a miscommunication or there's a difficult time that they have ruined their relationship with their sub because that's not the case. And I, I think that having that conversation with you where we really confronted some of the th- places that I had felt uncomfortable in the past and discussed um, ways that I had contributed to the to the things that happened and ways that I felt like you had contributed to it by really acknowledging those things it really helped us to put things into context it helped us to uh, give some wounded feelings some closure and it also wasn't the end of the dialogue it is a continuing dialogue and one of the things about BDSM especially at the level that you and I do it is that it is a very complex thing with a lot of moving parts and no one's perfect with something so powerful and so complex when you're dealing with these very strong energies and very strong emotions and very strong parameters, there is bound to be something that happens that causes some conflict. But if you are proactive about it and you're willing to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to to approach those conflicts head on, it can lead to something even stronger and even better than it was before the conflict. And, you know, one of the things that was very powerful is that you came to me in in that conversation and you opened yourself up knowing that there were things that uh, I felt conflict towards you about. And you really opened yourself up and admitted that you haven't always been perfect because no one's perfect. And I think that having that strength is something that you really need as a dom if you really want to be a good dom to yourself. And I think you touch on some things that I've seen with some doms is that it really takes being, you, you kind of think that, oh, a dominant should never be vulnerable <laughs> or open up to their sub, but that's where part of the some of the greatest bonding has occurred is when I can be vulnerable and open up, it's not a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. It is a sign of strength. And one of the things that happens, it's a process, but one of the things that happens is that all of a sudden you become even more 
dominant by becoming vulnerable. It's one of those paradoxes in BDSM. It's kind of like when I first started out as a submissive and I gave up my power to another person completely and said, you know, we negotiated everything, but I said, you're in control. <laughs> and I gave, I willingly gave my power to him. And by giving up my power, I became empowered. It's a weird, very weird uh, paradox there. <laughs> but BDSM does have a lot of those kind of interesting paradoxes that you don't really see at the surface. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like that's one of the things that gives BDSM the power that it has. Because you're taking different theme things that in other contexts would be cruel, would be really mean. And especially going back to the way it felt when I first encountered BDSM before I was very aware, you know, when... You, when I watched some of my first scenes and I just saw people wailing on each other and I heard the thud of the paddle or, you know, the sound of a flogger on someone's bare skin and I even saw a few tears and things like that, it was something that really scared me. But then... After I was around it long enough and I saw people in utter pleasure and ecstasy and happiness, and I saw people caring for their subs and doing aftercare, and I saw people check in with their subs quietly during a scene to make sure that they were okay, and saw the loving energy there and the caring energy that that's one of the things that really opened my eyes to a lot. And so BDSM is full of these these paradoxes. You gain strength by being a sub by taking a power uh, by taking a position where you give up power. A dom opens themselves up and becomes vulnerable by taking the position of power. The activity is look cruel and can seem cruel and sometimes there's blood and sometimes there's all of these things and moaning and you know and screaming out uh but it's all in the name of pleasure and in the name of growth and in the and weirdly in the name of healing uh which is so so weird and i think that that's one of the things that makes it hard for a lot of people, a lot of outsiders to understand about the thing that we're doing in BDSM. And it, I think that that's one of the things that gives it extreme strength, though, is that you can take these, these forces that seem negative and turn them into this uplifting, fulfilling, orgasmic 
energy that helps people grow and learn and learn about themselves and learn about the world. It's it's kind of like if you're a weightlifter and you start lifting lifting weights and you it makes your muscles sore and kind of hurts, but it's what it takes to to build up your body. It's kind of the same thing in BDSM. And I think that that's really powerful and it always fascinates me. One thing we haven't talked about much yet is subspace. I've often looked at a dominant as a type of shaman. You're taking someone into a journey within themselves, into subspace. It's all in their mind and working, or it can be. And working with someone at that level, you really are the tether that holds on to them while they're out there, even though you're inflicting pain and making your sub writhe and, and, oh, just ache all over. And as you go deeper and deeper, you're taking them on an amazing journey. In subspace, it's hard to describe. We don't really have good words for it, but I know I've been in subspace so deep that it was just such an incredible experience. It verges on the spiritual, and it becomes such an amazing thing to take a submissive on that ride and guide them and know when to just inflict a little bit more here or a whole lot there or stop for a second and stroke their body with your hand after you've been beating them for a while and and giving them that encouragement to really enjoy the pain you're giving them and to worship you for giving them that pain. Now, there are different levels of BDSM. Usually at play parties, it doesn't go nearly to that depth. <laughs> but there's also different levels of BDSM where, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the lighter side of BDSM, because that can be a lot of fun. That's where I started out. And then I went on this amazing adventure and went really deep down into the deep end. <laughs> well, we're already to station break. We'll come back to our topic in a few moments. I would like to remind everybody to visit our website, ravenslayerleather.com. And also our new website for Aphrodite's Temple, it's ladyboytemple.com. And check those out. In Aphrodite's Temple, we do not only a little bit of BDSM from time to time, but we get more into the tantric and spiritual sexuality. And uh, then I also have a new website for my sex coaching practice. Now, to me, I love sex with BDSM. Some people like to keep the two separate, which is okay. I mean, whatever your cup of tea is, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. But if you're really into wanting to improve your sex life, sex coaching can help too. And you can learn all kinds of tantric techniques. We can, and I, when I work with someone as a sex coach, I'm there to help you 
first of all, identify what your goals are and then get to your goals and accomplish them. So check out ggwilber.com. That's two G's, W-I-L-B-U-R.com. Anything you want to add? At both the the Raven's Lair leather site and the G.G. Wilbur site, you can find links to our Patreon. You can also find a whole host of different training courses that uh, G.G. has compiled and put together, complete with work with different worksheets and exercises to to do to help you bring your sex life to the next level and really find the sexy, seductive, sensual being that lives in, inside of you and really let it come out to play. So I would suggest y'all do either of those things. And with all the websites, I really underneath the surface... I embrace the philosophy of living a sex-positive lifestyle, developing sex-positive attitudes and values. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, back to our topic. <laughs> We've been talking about the compassionate dominant. And I have a question for you, Paul. Mm-hmm. When you first started out in BDSM, what kinds of things are, were you looking for in a dominant? And how has that changed over time? Well, when when I first got into BDSM, I really only experienced the the more physical side of BDSM. I was in it because I was a masochist and I liked the yummy, yummy endorphins and the way that it made me feel. And when I first started, I was looking for a dominant that would go as hard on me as I, I wanted it and uh, who knew the things that I enjoyed and and uh, could kind of keep up with me because I'm a bit of a pain slut. I still have that inside of me. I still enjoy those things. But after I started training with you and I learned that BDSM could be about so much more than just the pleasure that I, I received from getting beaten things that I really enjoy about you is that you've really helped me to explore some of where my trauma has come from and really face it head on. And you've really helped me work through my trauma. You've helped me learn my limits and more than just physical pain. You've helped me learn of what makes me tick, you've really helped me 
to uh, have a better understanding of my internal emotional and and analytical landscape and you've helped me reconnect with my spirituality in a way that I had lost years before I had met you or gotten to, into BDSM. I think that one of the things that really helped that out is that I, I think that because you have a background in social work and could kind of notice the signs of when I wasn't feeling okay and really have in-depth conversations with me about where I was and how I was doing and what I needed and what I was looking for. Um, and especially since a lot of times you would have me talk about it, but then you would say, like, it's okay to not know right now. I just want you to think about these things and talk to me about it later. So you also were able to give me time to kind of process things. Um, one of the really powerful things was there was a point in my training with you. I hope you don't mind if I share. Um, there was a point in my training with you when I had just gone through a breakup and I had also gotten kicked out of my house in an unrelated incident and I was kind of a mess emotionally. And I told you that I wanted to take a pause on training and I had moved in here with you and it took me a while to kind of process those things on my own and knowing that my 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 safety didn't depend on continuing to train under you that I would still be allowed to to stay here that I knew that it was sad to you that I wasn't training under you anymore, but you were also willing to to let it go if that was what I needed to to work through what I was going through. And that understanding and compassion and love made it so much easier not only to get to the point where I wanted to train under you, but our training really picked up so much after that because I was able to really dedicate myself in a way I had not up to that point and really open myself up to you and really open myself up to service to you. And even though it was a difficult time and it was a hard time and neither of us knew where it was going, taking that time to step away and seeing that I was allowed to do that, that I was able to do that, helped me so much to be able to really commit to my training. And it it made such a huge difference. And it, it's kind of hard to know 
where we would be today if we hadn't taken that time. And the fact that I could see that you were okay with giving me the space that I needed if that's what I needed to heal really helped me so much. And I think that it's a great example of the compassion that you have for me and the the care that you have for me. And I know it's important to not be possessive as Saddam. You can own a sub, but it's got to be a mutual thing. (laughs) And it's got to come from the heart. It's got to be real. And by giving you that time with no strings attached, that's what helps make it real. There's no coercion. There's no pushing. I just said, let it go. And I found, you know, I was fortunate. I had a couple of good doms that... And one of the things that I learned from one of my doms was that sometimes you just have to cut someone loose. They may or may not come back. And that's okay. It's best to let it go if it's not supposed to be. But if it is, it'll work itself out. And once it does, it becomes a stronger bond and a stronger connection. It becomes a real commitment, not just... Mm -hmm words said and I think that's the other side of the BDSM picture is that often people will say oh I trust you but it's a whole different thing to put your body and your mind and your whole being into a power dynamic and live that trust And I think that's one of the things that makes BDSM so powerful. So I actually have a question for you, Gigi. Yeah. So if there are any listeners out there that are interested in finding a dominant and they want to make sure that they find the kind of dominant that will really care for them and show them compassion, and do it with their whole heart, what advice would you give to someone that asked? I know for me, when I was shopping around for doms, what worked the best was to go to play parties, join a BDSM group, and observe. See how different doms, because every dom's going to be a little different. And... Shop around a bit. It's okay for a sub to shop around. You want to find a good fit. (laughs) I think the other thing is to, once you think you have found someone that looks like they might be a potentially really great dom to serve, is to sit down with them and have a talk and say, well, tell me a little bit about what your values are as a dominant. And question them. It's okay. I mean, it's, some people may frown on it, but hey, I think it's good to shop around because to me, I see a dom and a sub as being in a, can be being in a relationship that is symbiotic. 
each feeds on the other. Now, if you don't have the same desires, the same play activities you enjoy, the same, some the, a good match between you and dominant style versus sub submission style, then there's going to be problems. So I'd say shop around, go to groups and just kind of check things out, be observant and kind of see how other doms and talk to other subs. Subs will tell you who the really great doms are <laughs> oftentimes. And in fact, I've met subs that said with their eyes just glowing with adoration, oh, my dom's the best. <laughs> and so I was able to shop around a little bit. Now, some doms only will take on one sub at a time. Others will take on more than one. And so it varies from person to person. But do shop around, and it, you do have special protections within a BDSM group that you don't have shopping online or going, you know, just hitting the things like FetLife where you just meet someone online and have to go by what they say. It's good to be able to observe how they play, not just what they say they do. I think all of that's very good advice. I know that one of the things, um, a dominatrix that, uh, that works with us a lot that Gigi also trained named Droxine, one of the things that she's very passionate about and very big into is letting subs know that they do have a voice and that they do have value. I think that a lot of times people who are attracted to BDSM, a lot of times the people that are attracted to the submissive roles can have problems with self-worth and self-esteem. I know that I do and I very much did a lot more before I started training under Gigi. That can can lead to problems if you're too willing to take the first person that gives you any attention. Uh, I think another important thing is on top of vetting through watching them in action and talking with them and talking to their subs, um, a lot of times it is good to not allow yourself to be put in a position on their home turf before you've interacted with them for a little while. There's a lot of horror stories I've heard, uh, particularly in the gay community, of guys cruising and then going home with a leather daddy to let them tie them up. And then all of a sudden, after they're tied up and helpless, the the feeling changes and either you can get taken advantage of that way. Some people have been robbed that way. So it's important to take care of yourself. And also, if you go to meet a, a, a dom for the first time, Go out to a cafe or a public place to talk with them instead of their house. And the first couple of times that 
you go to their house, let a friend know where you're going and when you intend to be back and let them know that, you know, you, you plan on messaging them or calling them by a certain time and that if you don't, they should be concerned and doing things that you would do for a blind date, uh, are, are also important ways to protect yourself. And I know that even with Gigi, I knew from, because I had been friends with Gigi for years and years and years before I started training under him. And I also knew because Gigi told me over and over and over again that I could feel free to talk to him. And that if anything made me uncomfortable, I should let him know. And even with all of that, there were still things that I withheld from Gigi because I thought, oh, I can handle it on my own. Oh, I am embarrassed to to tell Gigi this thing. Like, oh, I don't want to ruin the moment. I don't want to ruin the scene. I'll just suck it up until I I stop feeling uncomfortable. And it actually took me a really long time to start being completely honest with Gigi when things did make me feel uncomfortable. And I found that it it didn't ruin the scene, that uh, even if the scene had to stop, a lot of the conversations that that led to were really powerful, amazing conversations that really helped us grow together in our bond as master and servant. And it really strengthened my caring for for Gigi and his caring for me. And it was extremely powerful. So if there is anything, once you start working with someone that comes up that makes you feel uncomfortable, bring it up, use your safe words, you know, talk to them about it. And, you know, sometimes things come up with Gigi that make me feel uncomfortable. And I talk to Gigi about it. And I tell Gigi that I'm feeling uncomfortable. And Gigi tells me that that's okay. But do do you think that you can try to work through it? It doesn't mean that you have to veto that activity because it makes you feel uncomfortable. It means that it's something that you should talk about. And a lot of times when there are things with Gigi that make me uncomfortable that we continue to to train on and work through, I do come out the other end and find that it's something I really enjoy uh, or, or, you know, there's a shift in my head that happens that, uh, you know, makes it easier for me to deal with. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes we need to work on something several sessions in a row. Sometimes it can take a few months to get comfortable with something that I have a really hard time with. Uh, And one, one of the things about Gigi being compassionate, knowing that something is making me feel uncomfortable, he can modify the way that we do it, you know, taking more steps to go 
all the way there um, instead of going and doing it fast, you know, oh, I might have to slow down, but it doesn't mean that Gigi stops training me to to get through something. And if there's something that truly makes me uncomfortable that, you know, we try and work on and continue to work on, but I never get all the way comfortable with it. Gigi is a sadist, but he's not the kind of sadist that is going to continue making me do something he knows that I hate. But a lot of the times in being able to communicate clearly and openly and honestly with an open heart, we are able to go from something that makes me uncomfortable at first to something that I really, really enjoy and and really uh, get a lot out of. Uh, And I think that's a really powerful thing. In BDSM, between a dominant and a submissive really is a process. It's not, and it's an ongoing process. It's not something that just happens once. It's taking that time and delving deep and really learning from each other. And and it's kind of like a dance, two dancers. It takes time before you get that rhythm going together and really understand each other's nuances and movements and and how each person flows and becomes part of one set of dancers. It takes that, it's that process. It's not just, a, oh, I did this. It's not a, you know, let's do this step, this step, this step, and we're there. It's an ongoing process. But it's an amazing process. It can be so beautiful and amazing. <laughs> well, boy, uh, we're at the top of the hour already. <laughs> uh, do you have any last thoughts or anything you want to add in? I think kind of a- along the, the lines of what you were talking about, like the, that it's a dance. One of the things that was very powerful for me to learn going through this process with you is in the beginning I looked at you and I still do as a mentor and a teacher and I thought it was going to be mostly a a one-way process where you were going to be teaching me things and I was going to be learning you were going to be doing things to my body, and I was going to be receiving. I was going to be giving you service, and you were going to be receiving that. But what I have learned throughout the process of our training is that even though we actively take different power dynamics and, and, and roles, it's always a two-way process. You're teaching me, and I am learning. But I am also teaching you, and you are learning. You are learning how to be a dominant to me. I am learning what my needs are and 
helping to teach you what my needs are. I'm learning the the depth of knowledge that you have gained through years of, you know, practice and and study. I am learning I, I am teaching you things that come up in the moment or that I read online or that I hear from from other people. It takes being open to things on both the part of the dominant and the sub. And there can be rules and and things in place to give it some form and function and some rigidity, but it can't be completely rigid because it's an organic living relationship. And if either the dom or the sub doesn't have at least some flexibility, it's going to collapse under its own weight. And I think that that's something that a lot of dominants and subs need to to learn in their practice. I think that that's one of the things that holds back a lot of things and can lead to some toxicity. Um, so I just wanted to say that because I think that's also a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, part of this journey is so mystical and magical. It, I just love being able to whether serving as a submissive, because every once in a while I still sub, uh, and then, or serving as a dominant. The journey is so amazingly good on both sides. And it truly is or can be a symbiotic relationship where we feed off each other and benefit from each other. But it does take that give and take, and it takes that following some protocol, but with a little bit of flexibility and with a little bit of compassion and being guided by your own heart. Well, I think we're at the end of the show. Have a good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Explore and discover where you can go with all this. It's an amazing journey. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. 
we would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. Good night. Good night.